it doesn't work as you plan. It it's just like life. I mean, you, as much planning as you want to do, you start and it's totally different than what you expected. So um, you have to adjust. You have to be very flexible. You need to adjust. Um, you need to be ready to burn money. You need to you need to realize that it takes a long time and it costs a lot of money. And you're going to have to figure you're going to have to figure out you're you're going to have to navigate through that um, in order to get to the other side. Hey, everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I am your host, Devin Miller, the uh, serial entrepreneur that's founded several uh, seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder of Miller IP Law, where we help uh, patents and trade or startups and uh, small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And uh, on today's episode, we have another great guest, uh, Jason Jones, and uh, he will uh, share a little bit more about himself, but as a quick intro, so he uh, it launched his first startup in uh, around 2006 and has since then uh, or created about an additional or a total, I can't remember which, of uh, six or six businesses, um, several of which have uh, continued on after his departure. And now he's on to his uh, current business, which is uh, Centrifuge. And it's uh, kind of a, a blockchain or a decentralizing assets and finances. And he'll be able to share a little bit more about that and how that they've uh, created that and what they're doing different in the finance space. Um, so welcome onto the podcast, Jason. Thanks, Devin. Nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Our, my pleasure. So I gave this a short intro about a little bit about uh, what you guys have done and what you're doing, but maybe if you can walk us through a bit of your journey and uh, how that's, uh, how, what led up to where you're at today. Sure thing. So um, number one, um, I love your podcast. I love that you're talking about the entrepreneurial journey. This is something I'm passionate about. And, uh, and it's what I do every day. I, I live an entrepreneurial dream, right? That's, I'm, I'm a dreamer, right? I'm a, I like to create new businesses and create new ideas and, um, and take something that's just a little flicker in your mind and kind of convert it into an actual real, um, a, a real business. Um, so, um, from a career perspective, um, I spent, uh, my early years, um, out of college, um, working at some big investment companies. I worked at Fidelity Investments and at Goldman Sachs and at a couple big hedge funds. And, um, and I had a very, um, successful career, um, mm -hmm. as a analyst portfolio manager for, for hedge funds. Um, I could have stuck around there and, um, had a very comfortable life um, if I if I chose to do that, hmm. but I would get in every day into, into that job and think to myself, I I know from from my head like this is a good place to be. I'm going to make a lot of money from my heart. I just don't want to do this. I want to I want to build I want to build things. Like I'm just a builder, and I didn't have any chance to do that. And I when I projected myself out, I could see myself continuing to you know work as part of the engine but not actually building the engine so that that's that's kind of what what um what bothered me and i remember when i um when i announced that i was leaving and stepped out the door to start my new business that was that was a major defining moment in my life i felt like i am now in control of my own life 
whatever I do from here on out, it's up to me to, you know, put food on the table for, for myself and my family um, every day from here on out. It's not, I can't just sit back in some cushy job and get paid. I've earned the money every day. Hmm. And that was the start of it. So maybe just jumping into that just a little bit. So, you know, Goldman Sachs, is that, is that the right, or you said that's where you're at, right? So certainly a name recognizable, big company, to your point, you know, provides a bit of that security and nice, probably nice perks and benefits and paychecks and that. So with all that, what was the motivation or what was the tipping point or when did you say, okay, yes, I have all these, but I really want to go pursue my own journey. I mean, typically it's not just, you know, Maybe it was, but typically not just wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go pursue my own journey. So was it kind of a general process or was there something that, you know, had this idea that I just have to pursue or how did you make that final decision to go pursue uh, the entrepreneurial life? Um, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur my entire life. Um, My my family, my, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My grandmother was an entrepreneur. My dad, you know, growing up, we probably started, 12 businesses every few years there was a new business that we started it was it was fun um and there was definitely a roller coaster life growing up of highs and lows of you know entrepreneurship um so i I grew up with that um and i also you know i had my paper out and i had a a moving business Mm. and i had a painting business house painting business so i was always kind of building businesses for myself um, I went to Babson College, which is number one in entrepreneurship. I went there because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So mm. it was always my dream to be an entrepreneur. It's like my driving passion. Um, when I graduated, I wanted to build a foundation for myself. I felt like if I had a good foundation in business, mm. I would be that much better when I'm ready to do this for myself, for real. Um, and that's why I went to work at the big kind of investment companies, learned a lot about accounting and finance and kind of how, how businesses are structured, figured out how to, how to value a business, how to, you know, what are the, what are the levers that, you know, drive success? Um, all that was great. And every day when I was in there, all I could think about is how can I do this for myself <laughs> every day? So it was just about gathering up enough courage to say, I'm ready to go on my own. Hmm. Never look back. So you finally gathered up enough courage. You said, okay, as much as uh, I enjoy the comforts of a big business and, you know, the notoriety or the, you know, benefits and everything else, I'm going to go out on my own. So, you know, as you decided that was it, you already had an idea lined up and you're getting, you know, you got the thing that you're going to go after. Or was it, Hey, I'm going to make the leap and I'll figure it out as I go along. Or how did you kind of make that transition from, you know, not in a bad way, big, big business or corporate or corporate, you know, corporate job to what was your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so um, I had a plan, but um, but I, I, until you actually start, until you actually start something, like mm-hmm. all the plan, you can do all the planning in the world, and then you, when you actually start something, it gets real, right? So um, I had a plan on how I was going to create this data-driven hedge fund because um, I was working at a hedge fund, and that's what I knew. So I was going to build this data-driven hedge fund. Um, and I stepped away knowing, hey, I have an idea. I don't know anything about starting a business like this. I know how to, you know, be an analyst at a business like this, but I don't know how to start this. But, you know, I have to start somewhere. And I can either spend the next 10 years of my life kind of getting wealthy for myself, but building up this other guy's hedge fund, or I can just go out on my own and start it. Got to start somewhere. 
Um, so I went out and started burning money <laughs> as I came up with an idea of how I could actually launch a hedge fund, how I could convince people to invest in me, who was nobody, um, how I could do it. Um, and that was really hard. That was really hard. Um, I loved it, but it was really hard. Um, and I realized I needed to pick up kind of side jobs to support myself as I built the business. It was one of, one of my first lessons that I learned is that there are, there are some businesses that are services businesses that are kind of profitable from day one, which are great businesses. And there's other businesses that are kind of product oriented or take a long time before they make money. But when they do make money, they make a ton of money. Mm. And the hedge fund is kind of in that second category, right? You, you're only, you always hear about successful hedge fund managers. Those are guys that make, that have like a billion dollars or $10 billion under management and they're living off of fees, fat fees. But when you're starting, you make nothing, you make nothing. So um, you have to, I had to figure out how to like put it all together, put the business plan together, put it all together and also, you know, keep my head above water by side jobs. So I was a consultant for, uh, for about two years. I was a consultant while also running my hedge fund. Um, and that, that also introduced me to this idea like, you don't need to have one job at a time. You can have multiple jobs at a time. That's okay. Wear a couple different hats, mm. learn a couple different things, get a couple streams of income coming in if you can. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I started doing. I started consulting while building my business. Eventually got the business off the ground. I ran that fund for seven years, uh, ran the fund and launched a second fund. So I had a hedge fund and a venture fund. I invested, I, I, I ran both of them, um, brought people on board um, and grew and grew it. So that was a good experience, that first one. Okay. So you, you ran, so it wasn't necessarily, if I were to, if I'm putting words in your mouth, certainly stop me, but it wasn't necessarily, you didn't enjoy, you know, the Goldman Sachs type work or, you know, managing funds and managing assets is more of, Hey, I want to do it my own way. I want to be my own boss or make my own decisions and guide the path that I want to take. And so when you decided to jump out, it was kind of, Hey, I'll take the lessons I've learned from Goldman Sachs and others is what they're doing. And then find you know develop my own way or my own path and own clientele and, and start to build the business. Is that is that kind of accurate with what you're saying? Yeah, and it was really more about building the business than it was about sitting and picking stocks. Like I hired people to pick stocks and help mm. help there a little bit, but my passion is really in putting the business together as opposed to, you know, I don't mind making investments and I'm decent at it, but it's not really where my passion is. It's really in how to put all the pieces together to make it all work. Okay. So you jumped out of that and, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it took a few years to build things, to get things, you know, figure things out. And you said burn cash, or I'd say paying for an edge, you know, a real education, you know, you get a, yeah. the, the money that you burn is really oftentimes the lessons that you learn of what you shouldn't do or how you should do things better or whatnot. But you did that. So, you know, see, so you, you did that for a period of time and how long, of, how long of a period of time did you continue to run those couple different funds? Seven years. So you did seven it for years. seven years. And, okay. and actually, I launched my fund September 2nd, 2008. That's when I launched <laughs> Like Perfect. 10 days later, Good the whole that, world right? blew up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, oh man, that was uh, not great timing. Um, my fund actually did really well. I was, I was up for the year in 2008. So I had a good year. Um, 2009, I was not so lucky. Well, the market came roaring back in 2009. 
it was all the really bad companies that got decimated that did the best. I was short those companies, like really bad companies. Mm. And the good companies didn't do as well in 2009. So 2009 was actually a tough year for me, um, whereas 2008, I was okay. Um, but uh, but generally, yeah. So it took me a while to get started. My my hedge fund actually never – I enjoyed doing it, but it never, like, really took off. The venture fund did a lot better, and uh, and I did well with that. And that was, you know, so – I same firm, two different businesses. So that was um, okay. that was one thing. Okay. Then at the same time, I, I um, started um, playing around with, you know, with technology. And I was an internet analyst, by the way. So I started playing around with technology, and I was like, hmm, this is really cool that you can, like, take people. They can come to my website. They can open an account, and they can start investing. Or I can start investing for them. They can pick a strategy, and I can start investing for them. Hmm. And I played around with this idea. This was 2008. So this is my second business. Um, and we played around this idea of, like, um, of, of doing that, like an online investment firm. Um, mm. And there were three companies that were founded that year. My company was called Alpha Clone, And then there was two others. Um, one of them was called Kaching. Uh, the other one was called Covester. Covester raised a bunch of money and then uh, they burned out. Kaching uh, had a weird name. Then all of a sudden Benchmark invested in them. And mm. then the founding partner of Benchmark left benchmark to become the ceo of kaching and we were like what like it's like you never hear about that like he left his venture firm to, to be the ceo they changed the name to wealthfront it's now a giant robo advisor right hmm. so that that was that first year we were just creating it wasn't they weren't called robo advisors back then we were just kind of creating this concept hmm. um but they ended up being robo advisors Those are the very early stages of the of the robo advisor trend um, and Alpha Clone continues on to this day. It's good. It's good. Good company, um, based in San Francisco. Um, so, they've done well. So you did that for you know. So you, you did that. You, you saw a little bit of the evolution. You made it through 2008. You know, profit in 2008, 2009. You weathered the storm along with a whole bunch, I'm sure, of other people. But you did that for seven years, and that brings us up to what, about 2015 or so. And what you know. So as you're doing that, what made you decide what was the next jump or the next transition or the next venture along the journey? Then I launched, um, no, it was 2006 to 2011. That was my venture fund. Okay. Uh, I mean, my, my hedge fund, um, two years to get going really. So I guess it was, uh, five years of running it, two years to plan it, five years of running it. Um, uh, but anyway, 2011, um, I found, uh, lending club, which I thought was a really cool concept. You could take I didn't know anything about credit, but I did know about online marketplaces and this idea that somebody has credit card debt at 25% and I could come in there and I could give them a loan at 10% using lending club. I could give them a loan at 10, at 10 or 12%. They could refinance their credit card down to 10 or 12%. I get a great return and mm -hmm. I directly benefit somebody who now has refinanced their credit card and taking kind of their financial life and putting that in order. And I just thought that was such a cool concept. Like, I'm investing in somebody else's credit. I'm helping them straight, straighten out their life. Hmm. And I'm also getting an awesome return. So it helps me and it helps them. Hmm. So I just thought conceptually peer-to-peer -peer lending is the coolest thing ever. Like I just love this using technology, build a marketplace, taking two people who couldn't find each other beforehand, but now with an online marketplace could connect. So hmm. we, um, 
So I, I, I totally just fell in love with that business. And I was like, all right, I'm going to launch a, a, a fund and a robo-advisor in the peer-to-peer -peer lending space. So that was my next venture. So I launched a robo-advisor. That's, uh, that's now the largest marketplace lending robo-advisor. Um, and uh, that's, that's done uh, pretty well so far. So you do that, was, was the drive with launching the robo-advisor more of, hey, you know, I'm worn out with the fun, you know, the funds that I'm managing now is more of, hey, I see this is where the evolution of where the marketplace is going, or hey, this is really evolution. cool technology, and I want to go, you know, dive, be, you know, on the forefront or the cutting edge, and I want to get it now, or all of the above, or how did you kind of, you know, what made you jump from, or jump from the, the couple funds you were doing at that time over to more of the robo-advisor? Evolution, you know, I just found, I found, um, we were looking at Lending Club as an investment in our venture fund. And that's when I actually opened an account and started playing with it and learned about business models. Like, I love this and, and said, okay, this is like, this is better than anything I've done before. I just want to go, you know, all in on this. Okay. So, um, there was about a year where I ran both. And then I was like, I'm just going to close down my funds and I'm going to just focus on this. I built up the, the robo advisor. When I built up the robo advisor, I said, okay, let's have a little conference, get all the, all the, all the, uh, peer to peer lending CEOs in one room so we can figure out who to invest with. Mm -hmm. Um, they can, if they want to pitch to me, there's probably other people who want to do that as well. Mm -hmm. That conference business, which was supposed to be a side business became huge and, um, it grew, it grew in the U S and then we expanded to China and to Europe and it became one of the largest fintech events you know, in the world. Um, so that was like out of nowhere. I didn't expect that at all. Um, so for about five years, I ran both the, the, the fund and the, um, and the events company. We built them both up. We got them to like 50 people um, and, uh, and global kind of a global network uh, networked really well. Um, those, those live on today. Okay. No, I think that makes, makes sense. So, so then you, so you, you know, you kind of had, you know, almost a trip. It seems like, you know, you kind of stayed in the, the same realm of, you know, asset management and investing and, and whatnot. But then it, yeah. as, you know, new opportunities came along as something that made sense or was exciting or otherwise you saw that's where the, you know, saw things, that's where things are headed. You kind of tried to, to make those transitions or curves. So as you did that, so now you did the robo fund for a while and then did you, Sell, you know, did you sell your stake? Did that get acquired? Did you shut it down? How did that kind of transition to where you're at, you know, the, to the next venture? Yeah. So we raised some venture money for that. Uh, the new management team is running that at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I still own a stake in it, um, but we have another team that runs it. Um, and, uh, and same with my events company. Um, we have, uh, we have some investors in, in that as well. And there's a, actually my, my co-founders for the events company, continue to run the events company mm. after about five years i was getting the itch to do my next thing and um i was kind of looking at uh, just the whole my whole trend is the, the whole trend has been about the internet waves of the internet where where the internet's taking me and um and i thought the blockchain was like the next next layer of the internet that was being built and i felt like that's something i really wanted to um focus on so um at this point in time, I had now started and built uh, several companies um, and felt pretty confident in my ability as an entrepreneur. And I went to uh, a company called Consensus, 
which is a venture incubator for blockchain companies. Mm-hmm. And I became an entrepreneur in residence there. And I basically, it was a job where I could sit, sit back and kind of look at a bunch of different kind of emerging companies and, um, and, and, and uh, management teams and help where I could. Um, and it was, I was like a kind of a kid in the candy store at that point. It sw- switched at that point from being uh, a builder to being like an advisor to very early stage companies. And I helped mm-hmm. a bunch of them kind of get going. Um, I also kind of honed in on what I cared about. And that's when I found Centrifuge, my current blockchain company. Um, and while I didn't start Centrifuge, I found them, you know, a couple months into their existence. And, um, and after uh, about a year of getting to know them while I was kind of at consensus, I ended up kind of jumping the fence and going to join them to, to build Centrifuge. So, so when you got to the current, which is Centrifuge, so did you, you know, if they were already established, did you go in and you say, Hey, I think what you're doing is really cool. I want a job there. Hey, I want to invest or, Hey, I want to explore opportunities or kind of, how did you, how did you, you know, as opposed to starting your own thing, you just say, Hey, I've got an idea. I want to make my own thing. How did you kind of get involved with them? Yeah. Good question. So at first I was like, Hey, I want to invest. Like, this is what I think this is very cool. And this is right up my alley. I want to invest. Mm. But then as I started looking at, at them closer, I fell more and more in love with what they were building, their vision. And then I approached them and said, hey, you know, like, I want to help you build it. Like, so if you need help building it, I, you know, consider me a, a, a candidate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my timing was right. I was lucky. I, I just reached out on a whim and they needed somebody like me um, right at that time. So I just kind of slotted right in. It was nice timing and it, it, all, it all worked out pretty well. Knock on wood. Yeah. But that was, that was a little odd for me because, you know, I, I built a bunch of companies and then now all of a sudden I'm, I'm helping another co-founding team build their, their vision um, and trying to do that, kind of maintain that, that leadership and vision side, but also supporting what I know is their vision, making sure we get the, their, their mission fulfilled. Okay. So, yeah. So you, you did that and, and that's where you're, you're currently still out there, right? You're, you're yeah, asset, still there. You're still working yeah. for them. So, you know, a couple of questions, because it seems like, you know, there's a lot of different personalities and, you know, as far, and I'm probably more of what I'll describe of, you know, you want, you, it's fun to build a company up to a point or a size or a point in time, right? Meaning there's a, a fun of figuring out the new business, figuring out the market, how do you get in, what pivots you make. And then you start to grow, right? And as you start to grow, it kind of evolves, right? So it becomes less of a startup and more of a business, if that makes sense, in the sense that, you know, it's no longer figuring out as much of those problems. You know, how do you get the initial product rather now? How do you grow it? How do you expand the team? How do you reach more customers? And so, did you know, was part of what you saw as kind of, you know, as you move from, and if I, again, putting words in your mouth certainly taught me, but was it, you know, kind of, hey, as I, as I see the company go to a, a certain size, the fun of doing the entrepreneur, the startup and that kind of, you know, shifts. And then that's kind of when it, it naturally makes sense to go on to the next venture. Is that, does that line up with what you're saying? That, that is my personality. That is my stage. I like the early stage, the innovative stage. As soon as it kind of forms into a real business, um, that's when it's time for me to move on to the next thing. Um, it's just, um, it's just where my interest lies. And I, at this point in my career, I've got 10, I've got a list of 10 businesses that I want to start. Mm. Um, and it's just about ticking them off, you know, like going there, 
spending some time, like really digging in, putting a team together, getting the vision in place, getting it rolling. Um, probably, you know, um, seeing customer traction, kind of getting that early stage traction. But mm -hmm. once like all the pieces are in place and now it's time to just totally scale, that's probably right when I want to take off and start the next thing. Um, <laughs> so I am definitely, yeah, so I am not, definitely not done. And I have a whole long list of ones that I'm planning to do. I have the same problem where I always have a whole bunch of lists, but I always have, my rule has generally been that, you know, I have, you know, seems like I'll have two or three ideas by the time it's lunch and then another couple ideas by the time it's dinner. Oh yeah. And 95% of them are all bad ideas that I should never really pursue. My, my thing has always been is I'll write it down, put it on a sticky note or on a piece of paper. I'll come back to it in a week. And if I'm still excited about it is when I had the original idea, it probably has some merit. And if it, after that week I say, Oh, that's a stupid idea. There's, that's never going to work. Then I tend to move on. So I think that, you know, I think, but that having, there's certainly that mentality of it's fun to grow and to get a business or start a business and grow it to a point. And then as it gets big and it takes on a life of its own, then it's fun to go to the next thing. So I certainly get that, uh, that uh, mentality and I tend to probably fit in that same bucket. So, so as you so, guys, yeah. I'll go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, I thought, you know, I, I started my career thinking I want to be an entrepreneur. I get to I get to Babson, get to school, and I learned about venture capital. And I was like, venture capital is awesome. I can I can invest in ten different companies, and I can help ten different companies grow at once. I can be an entrepreneur ten times over, right? So I did that. Uh, I ended up launching a venture fund, and I did that. Um, but that's not that didn't didn't hit the point for me. Like this is what hits the point to me. It's starting a business, growing it, moving on, doing it again and again and again. That it's not being an entrepreneur; it's being an operator and building, 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 building. Um, that's what I love to do. So uh, when you're a VC, you don't get that same. You're sitting on the sideline helping. You're not actually building. Different, different mentality. Yeah, completely makes sense. So, so now as you've done that, you've gone through the different businesses. Um, you know what? Which which idea or which one has been your most fun? I mean, and probably isn't the current one because that's usually the answer. But if you say, hey, I've done the six businesses, if I could say this is when I had the most fun and why it is, which one, would the, which one of it would it be? I mean, the, probably the events business. Um, events business was hard, but it was so different. It, it opened the world to me. Right? I was, you know, a jet setter for five years flying all over the world to meet top business leaders and, you know, help them kind of like big sponsors that were coming to the events or big, big time speakers that were coming to the events. So every day I'd be talking to, you know, world leaders, um, world leaders in the, in the financial services space. Um, so that was a totally different um, experience than the others where it's really like heads down, like turning the cranks, kind of getting the, getting the levers and the pulleys working right. <laughs> you know, um, the events one was more a platform with uh, with media and platform and reach globally. That was a, an interesting experience from that perspective. Yeah. Okay. No, I think that makes sense. So, well, as we start to wrap up towards the end of the podcast and always plenty of fun things to talk about um, and never enough time to do it. So with that, I always have two questions I ask at the end of the podcast. So we'll kind of jump to those now. So, Within all of the, or both, you know, working for Goldman Sachs, making the different startups, working with them, growing them and everything else, within all of that as a back set, what was the worst business decision you ever made? Um, 
worst business decision. Or one um, of the worst. I, 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 I will, say, hard, I will say that. So many bad. To, no, I'm just kidding. If there's, but yeah, if there's, yeah, of course. <laughs> but what would be one of or one of the ones that come to mind? Most of my companies have been perpetually underfunded, so mm -hmm. there's there's this level of money that you need to raise a do 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 a company properly. Some people get crazy amount of venture money, and then they're overfunded and they don't have any drive. Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, my my businesses, a couple of my businesses could have been a lot bigger if I had raised more money earlier on. Um, so I would say that's uh, that's one of the um, one of the lessons. Okay, and you know, and I think that's it's a hard balance, right? Because a lot of times when you're looking for funding, it's a balance of hey, we need enough money to get things going. If we don't have enough runway, we're going to run out and we're going to have half the air things halfway built, and you're not going to make it through. And so on, on the flip side, you take too much money, you give up too much equity, right? And so then you're, mm -hmm. you lose control of your business or you otherwise, you know, aren't able to do it. And then I'd also say, you know, one of the other things that I think is interesting is that you also, you take too much money too early on, it can actually hamper the business in the sense that now you have too high of an evaluation, right? Now you're saying now, because we, you know, the last round we, we were evaluated at, and I'm just making up a number, $10 million dollars. We have to, we don't want to have a down round. So now we have to justify our company being worth 20 million or 50 million the next round. And sometimes you take that money too early or too much too early. It can actually hamper the business because you're not able to continually grow it as, you know, have an up round. So I think on a lot of fronts, you know, getting that right balance of taking the right amount of money without too much or too little is always a hard balance because you never know what, how much money you'll need, when you'll need it and how much to take and how much not to take. So Certainly think that makes sense. So now if I were to jump over to the, um, the second question I always ask is, so if you're talking to someone that's just getting into startups or just getting into small businesses, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, the one piece of advice. I would say that um, you, you just, you, you need to have a lot of drive and you need to be really creative. It's not going to work. It kind of started how we started. It doesn't work as you plan. It it's just like life. I mean, you, as much planning as you want to do, you start and it's totally different than what you expected. So um, you have to adjust. You have to be very flexible. You need to adjust. Um, you need to be ready to burn money. You need to you need to realize that it takes a long time and it costs a lot of money. And you're going to have to figure, you're going to have to figure out your, you're going to have to navigate through mm -hmm. that um, in order to get to the other side. And the other side may not come. And it may be something that you give it a shot and it doesn't work. And then you, you know, go back to a career somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. Or you just figure it out. You just keep scrapping. So I would yeah. say that's it. Keep scrapping. That's my, that is my tip. Keep scrapping. Keep scrapping. <laughs> yeah. But you did hit on one thing that I thought was interesting. And it's always a hard thing. In the, in the one sense, you want to be as frugal as you can, right? And that's kind of a lot of times the startup mentality is, hey, we've only got so much money. We don't have, 
you know, most startups and you always hear that, you know, the flip side of, you know, like an Uber or something that they just have so much money that they went and just burned a whole bunch and, you know, went crazy with it. But I'd say the vast majority of startups you don't hear, which are the vast majority of startups, you're saying, hey, we only we want to be as conservative as we can with cash, we want to extend the runway. So how do you decide when it is to spend the cash, when it is to make the investments and when is the time to keep cash reserves or to hold on to that money? What, what was your guiding principle? Whew. Um, that's tough, right? The, I would say um, as the businesses start to scale, I'd say it's even tougher because then you have something that's successful and you're kind of trying to plan your cash flow. You never want to be in a position where you are accelerating, but you don't have the cash to, you're going to run out of cash to pay your employees or, or just kind of keep growing as you need to grow. So that de very delicate balance of, um, I'd say cash flow cycles is really, really um, hard as you start scaling. And I think a lot of businesses fail because they may be successful, but there's these cash flow cycles where they have these trough, these cash troughs, and it could completely wipe them out um, before they get to the next next growth cycle. So, um, uh, I would say managing cash, having you know, being good with the books, good with accounting, um, un understand like pro projecting out where the cash is going to be next 12 or 18 months that's super important all right no i think that's all that's all good uh, good th in, input and good insight so so as, as we're wrapping up people want to know more about you know you, how you use blockchain as far as you know with assets and management and what you guys are doing at centrifuge they want to ask anything about you and your journey of the different uh, funds you've done and the different things you've built or just want to connect or reach out they want to invest or any of the above what would be um the best way to reach out to you or connect up with you uh, probably on LinkedIn. You can find me, Jason Jones. Look up Centrifuge on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's the Dr. J. Um, but either way, um, probably easiest is LinkedIn. All right. Well, certainly uh, invite people to, to check you out there and uh, connect up and uh, either support, uh, use, or otherwise, in, or use your investment vehicle or assets and whatnot and check out more information from you. Well, thanks, Jason, for coming on. It's been fun to have you on. It's been a pleasure um, to hear about your journey and a little bit about uh, how you got to where you guys are at today. And I uh, wish you guys the best uh, next legs of your journey. And I'm sure there'll be exciting ones. Um, for those of you that uh, have your own journey to tell and want to come on the podcast and share it, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com and apply to be a guest. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe on either um, any of the platforms you're listening to so you uh, get a heads up on when this episode and all the new episodes go live. And uh, certainly if you have any uh, needs for and help for uh, patents and trademarks as a startup or small business, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Jason, thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun to hear your journey and wish you the best, ne or best next part of your journey. Thanks, Devin. It's been, it's been fun. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks.